Today we will be reading from Proverbs 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth, and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death, and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good, and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. This is the word of God. I'm going to have everybody say, thanks be to God, after that. So we'll say that. So he said, this is the word of of the Lord, or this is the word of God. And what what does everybody say? Thanks be to God. Just to make sure everyone's awake, you know. Um. Let's, uh, let's, let's pray. Lord, we again come before you and we ask that you would give us wisdom. Um, you promise that that's something that you can give to us in your word. And so we earnestly beg that you would fill um, each one of us, fill this church body with, with a ton of wisdom um, so that we, we may know how to, how to walk, how to live how to enjoy you forever. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, uh, people never change. A New York Magazine article states, our personalities stay, stays, uh, our personalities stay pretty much the same throughout our lives. From early adulthood, uh, sorry, early ch- childhood years to after we're over the hill. According to an arguably depressing new study. I love that. Traits observed in first graders are apparently accurate predictors of who those kids will be as adults. And personality is part of our biology. Um, Or uh, like the Frozen 2 song goes, uh, some people never change. Some things never change. Sorry. Some things never change. I haven't even seen the movie. My kids did. My wife went. But I haven't seen it. But apparently that, that song's been on their house a lot. So... 
Um, some things never change. Um, or the, the idiom, as the idiom goes, right? Uh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Have you ever heard that idiom before? Couple people? Everybody? All right. Uh, yeah, and as the Bible summarizes in one verse, it's, uh, it's kind of gross, so get ready for this one. As a dog returns to his vomit. Have you heard that one? So I'm a dog owner, and uh, we're, you know, we're dog owners, and oh my gosh, okay. So one night, um, somehow our dog has managed to become such a part of our family that our dog sleeps between my wife and I now, <laughs> first of all. So, so she's wiggled her way into you know, just being between my wife and I, which is great. Um, not really. So besides that, apart from that, uh, this dog, um, we love her, but in the middle of the night one night, she, she got up. And all of a sudden, she was gagging. And of course, you know, she's like, Nick, hurry. And so I get up, and I, I take the dog, and I put it you know, away from the carpet, put it on the, on the bathroom floor, and she vomits, right? And then she looks down, and, and she looks at it, and she forgot that she did it, and she's looking at me like I did it. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't do it. And she's like, I didn't do it, <laughs> right? But like a dog returns to her or his vomit, right? So a fool repeats his folly. That's what a proverb says. And so maybe um, as we think about our own lives, right, as we're reflecting, as we're thinking about our own patterns, the patterns, the, the ruts that we fall into, um, you've noticed maybe sin patterns that you've never been able to break, that you've had anger or you've had pride or you've had envy or greed or you've been gossiping a lot. Um, and, and it, it's characterized most of your life, maybe even your Christian life. You feel like that's still been a big part of your Christian life, that you're still kind of stuck. You're feeling like you're in a rut, and, and you seem to always find a way to fall back into old patterns or habits that you know are wrong, right, but you do it anyways. Right? I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what is right, and yet I don't do it. And so the statement, people never change, it sounds very true. Right? It really resonates with us. People never change. But Proverbs is here to tell us that people can change. Okay? People can change. The real question isn't, can people change? But the question is, how? How do people change? How can we change? Can we really change? How can we change? Um, we know that we can always take a turn for the worst. Um, I'm going to use an example here that I think um, we see this very visibly in, in drug addicts who take meth, for example. Right? There's, a, there's a physical change that takes place where the body starts to deteriorate in ways that are so visible um, you know, that the teeth begin to rot, there's aging, they look malnourished. Um, there's such a toll on the body, and maybe, maybe that's an extreme example, so I'll, I'll suburbanize this one, okay? And so maybe it's, it's the, the, the housewife getting addicted to painkillers, or uh, the, the husband, right, the father addicted to opioids. Yeah, that's happening. Or alcohol substance abuse in both men and women, right? And so we know, right, we can take a, a, a turn for the worse, but can people improve? Can people get better? That's like a real question that we have in our minds right now, right? 
how can people change for the better? And today, right, we're going to see how we change. And if today, if that's really what you want, if you really want to change, I hope that you'll learn how that happens. So there are two ways that people change. And I, uh, I don't just mean behavioral change. That's important, but it's not everything. Um, people can save face. That's something that we can easily do, right? We can have an external behavioral change. We can kind of put on a mask when in reality nothing's really different. And so that's not what I'm talking about. In reality, I'm talking about something different. I'm talking about deep, right? intense heart change. A real change of the heart from the inside out being changed and renewed. And so there's only two ways to get this kind of change to happen in your life. One, people change by listening to God. People change by listening to God. And then the the other thing is people change by living according to God's way. That's how people change. So let's look at those two ways. People change by listening to God. Um, If we'd read chapter 1 of Proverbs and then 2, right, if we had gone from chapter 1 right into chapter 2, we'd remember that chapter 1 just ended talking about the complacency of fools. Does anybody remember talking about that? This was two weeks ago because John preached last week. So two weeks back, the complacency of a fool. And um, fools don't change, right? Fools refuse to change. Um, A fool is somebody who does the same thing over and over and over again, expecting another result. Like a dog that returns to its... Like a dog that returns to its... Yeah. Okay. Just making sure. So let's hear about how people can change. Um, Proverbs 2.1. God says through Solomon says, verse 1, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. All right, so there, there are, if you're looking at this, there are three conditional statements there. Does anybody know what a conditional statement is? Starts with what? If. Ends with what? Yeah, if then. So, so people change if what? If they seek after it, verse 4. As if they're looking for buried treasure. Remember when you were a kid and you actually had an imagination? <laughs> Remember that? And, 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 and you used to use the imagination, that really cool thing that makes us fun, even as adults, but we forget sometimes, right? We need to be like Peter Pan and go back in time and, you know, be a kid again. Um, and, and remember, though, uh, did anybody ever, like, draw a treasure map in your backyard? I did that. You drew, and X marks the spot, and you're like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm going to look for buried treasure in my backyard. It's definitely going to be there. And, you know, you might not even dig a hole. Anybody do that? How many people? I want to see. Just, like, five? Really? Six? Okay, well, all right, that's fine. You guys still don't have imaginations then. Um, so some things never change, right? Um, but uh, I remember having a, a little, um, uh, a little uh, treasure chest 
Uh, my dad gave it to me. I don't even know where he found that thing. <laughs> but it was really cool, and I'd put all kinds of knickknacks and trinkets and things in there that were valuable to me. And I had that, and I'd hide that around the house, and I'd go for a treasure hunt, you know? I'd go wonder and try to find the treasure. And, and, and that's how the Proverbs tells us that we're to chase after, to seek, to search for wisdom. Like, like we're looking for buried treasure. Let me put this for adults, right? Adults with no imagination. Here we go. So if I told you that right now there's $4 million in the jungle gym right there, $4 million is, is sitting underneath the slide. I mean, one, you might even take a bathroom break right now just to check. Two, right after this service, I guarantee you somebody's going to be curious to check under that slide, right? I mean, I, I'm probably going to check, too, if really $4 million is there. I mean, that would be really nice for our church. There we go. So, um, okay. So, uh, imagination aside, um, people can change if they have to seek after it. But... Where should we be looking? Where should we be going? Where should we turn? Well, uh, the first three verses, they say, verse 1, where is it that we find God's commandments? Where do we turn in order to hear God's wisdom? That's verse 2. Where do we find his insights? Verse 3. The place we should be looking is where? According to all those statements. Does anybody want to take a guess? Yeah, that's right. The, the, the Word of God, right? The Bible. Um, the place we should be looking is the Word of God, the Scriptures itself. This is where we hear God speaking to us. And John, I really loved that uh, our brother John last week pointed out, I think you were summarizing R.C. Sproul. And, and it's, it's a statement of, of, you know, do you want to hear God speaking to you? Yeah, I'd love to hear God speaking to me. Okay, take the Bible, read it out loud. And you're going to listen to God speaking to you. Like, that was, that was really well done. Well played. Well played. So, um, and uh, we can thank Sproul for that one. Um, but that's the, that's the truth, right? That this is the primary place where we should be looking if we want to seek change. Now stop. Stop there. Right? Because Proverbs is not a self-help book. Proverbs is not telling us that we need to, through our own efforts, through our own achievements by reading and searching the scriptures, that somehow we are going to earn God's favor. But it sure does sound like it, doesn't it? When you're reading the if-thens, you're going, hmm. If I'm a person who listens to God's word, you know, I read it day and night, um, well, then I'm going to be accepted by God. The Bible never, ever teaches works righteousness. Self-justification never teaches that. The Bible never, ever teaches that when you're reading it correctly, of course, it never, ever tells us that God will only love you if. I want you to hear that again. The Bible never says God will only love you if. If you're here today and that's what you think we're all about, I'm happy to tell you that what you're thinking of is not Christianity. It's not Christianity. I'll explain that a little bit. If you think right now that God will only love you if you read your Bible more, God will only if you make it to church on time, uh, God will only love you if you pray more, you change a couple things about yourself before coming to church, 
then you're religious, but you're not a Christian. And on the flip side of that, if you find yourself on the other side of this, and you don't think you ever have to change anything about yourself ever, you also don't understand the message of Christianity. Because religious people think that you have to live a good life in order for God to accept you, right? I have to live a good life, God will accept me, be pleased with me. Non-religious people, on the other hand, think that because God accepts you, you don't have to live a good life. Put this differently. God loves to forgive. I love to sin. This is a great relationship, right? So that's, that's not Christianity. Um, I'm here to tell you, thankfully, right, that neither of these messages are the gospel. Um, they are not Christianity. Christianity says God lived a good life for you, therefore God accepts you. And because he accepts you, you can therefore live a good life for him. Very crucial for us to understand this, to get this down, to, to, to just repeat it back again and again and again in our own heads, share it with others. In our own minds, in our own hearts, share it with others. Um, because Christianity says, the gospel says, whether I live a good life or not doesn't matter because I'm not saved by how good I am or how bad I am, but how Christ is and was. And he was perfect for me. And he died for me and his spirit lives in me. And because of that, man, I can live a different life. Or I'll put it like this. The gospel says that Jesus lived a good life for you and he died for you. And because of that, because his life was perfectly lived and his death paid for your life, you are saved. You are accepted. Because Jesus lived and died for you, you can live the rest of your life for him. Do you hear the difference in the message? Right? Between religion, non-religion, Christianity. Anybody starting to get the picture, the differences? Okay. If you don't, that's okay. Because I want, us, I want everybody to understand this in this room. I want you to leave and, and exit the door and walk out to Super Bowl Sunday knowing the difference between law and gospel, knowing the gospel. Okay? So let me show you the difference by looking back at verse 1 of our, of our text this morning. How does verse 1 start? Say it with confidence. My son. Verse 1 starts with my son, right? It does not start with a conditional clause, if, then, my son. Right? It's very important. It starts with my son, then it talks about if-thens. But not before. And so instead of an if, we find an identity, right? You are my son are the opening words. I am a father of three boys. And let me tell you, those boys can do all kinds of crazy stuff every day. They can be relentless at not listening to their mom and relentless at doing the opposite of what dad just said, right? And I can get super frustrated with them that I want to like, I don't know, throw up my hands in the air. I want to say things the pastor shouldn't say. I mean, there's all kinds of a list of things that I want to do, right, that, that I should not do. And yet, they will never, ever do anything that makes me not love them. In fact, one of the things I love to do at night when I'm tucking them into bed, I learned this from a, from a good friend, is 
is just remind them of that unconditional one-way love that you have for them. So when they go to bed at night, they know that even though you, know, you probably discipline them 50 million times in one day, that you still love them. That that's the message that they hear loud and clear. And, and that's who you are to God if you are in Christ. You are my son. You are my daughter. That is a total game changer. At least for me, that's what I, you know, when I'm thinking about all this stuff. Instead of God will only love you if, right? What we see here is God saying, I will always love you. Full stop, period, maybe exclamation mark sometimes if we need to hear it that way. I will always love you, he says. You're my son, you're my daughter. There's nothing you can do that will ever undo what I have done for you. It is done. And so, like I said, this is a game changer. Where else do we hear that kind of message? Where else do we hear words of affirmation and approval and love like that? I mean, we are constantly begging and searching and itching and scratching for whether it's our spouse or our parent or someone, our, our neighbor or, or just somebody. Maybe on social media we're throwing something up. Uh, we're just hoping that somebody's going to hear me. Somebody's going to listen to me. Somebody's going to care about me. That I, that, I, that I matter. And we're looking for that, that kind of affirmation all over the place constantly. We're sending signals out. Check out what I did. Look at this. Look at that. Blah, blah, blah. Right? We're always doing that. And yet God is, is, is here saying, I love you. That's what he's saying. Unconditional. Not Conditional. Holding out his approval in Christ, saying, you are loved, you are accepted, you are perfect, you matter, I hear you, I love you. People change by listening to God's word, right? People also change by living according to God's way. That's the second thing. So, so the gospel is what changes us, and when we change on the inside, we begin to change on the outside too. The externals start to change, so let's look at that. People change by living according to God's way. Verse 7 continues. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and walking over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked, who are devious in their ways. So you'll be delivered from the forbidden woman. Pause. We're going to see a lot of the forbidden woman later in Proverbs, so you can note that one if you want. From the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death, and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good, and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. 
But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. So that's how verse 22 ends. And so these, these, these verses are, are, are really just, I mean, all of Proverbs, but these verses are, are worth reflecting on later in the week. Uh, if you want something to read, just read what we, what we talked about on Sunday um, as, a, as, a, as a suggestion. Um, but let's notice how, how different life for the upright is from what Proverbs calls this category, the wicked. Um, notice how different these two are. Verse 7 starts with the upright. Verse 22 ends with talking about the wicked. And our, our ESV translation, the translation we're using right now, um, it's, it translates this phrase, for, uh, the, uh, the upright. Uh, but a better way of thinking about it would be the righteous, right? So we'd really see this contrast between righteous and wicked. Um, that's, that's what we, we should see there. Uh, we should really notice. And now I've, I've already said, I hope very clearly, uh, that the gospel is not that I have to do good things in order to get saved or go to heaven, right? Is that pretty clear? All right. The law says I failed to live a good life. I haven't lived it. The gospel comes in and tells me Christ has lived the life I should have lived and he died the death that I deserve. Therefore, I'm forgiven. Therefore, I'm free. And I can love. Uh, so, so somebody who's righteous isn't righteous because they did the right thing and then God approved of them, um, got, gave them the award. Again, the righteous person is righteous because of their identity, not found in their good works, but in Christ's work. And they want to live a good life, not because they want to please God, but because God is already pleased with them. Okay, just so we're clear. All right, here we go. Notice the difference, though, between two groups of people. A righteous person or a gospel-renewed person pays attention to the choices he or she makes. A gospel-renewed person pays attention to the effect their choices have on others around them. And, and the wicked person or somebody who is not renewed by the gospel, who does not believe the gospel, who has never heard the message of Christianity, whatever, um, however you want to talk about that, the wicked, right, um, just doesn't care. There's, there's no concern in the world for other people around them. And so a gospel-renewed person can say, right, everything that I have comes from God. It's all his. It's not mine. I'm even his. Um, and, and, and because it's all his, not mine, I can give, I can love, I can serve my neighbor as myself because I have been given so much. Right? I am loved. I am served. Therefore, let me just say, gospel-renewed people care a whole lot about, I'll say this, social justice. We do. Um, a book that I would encourage you to read, it's called Generous Justice by Timothy Keller. It's really helpful along those lines. Um, helping us to, to really think about and, and to think beyond, right? Hear me. Think beyond our bipartisan, political, team red, team blue kind of categories and to really get down personally, right, individually, and to say, gosh, I really need to love my neighbor, and here's how I can tangibly do it. Um, we need to be encouraged and empowered to do that, that sort of thing. It's, it's a kind of love, right, that, that goes past the categories of name-blaming and, and shame-blaming and name-calling, right, to, to love and serve our neighbor. So, so we're not a people who will say, am I my brother's keeper? We're not that kind of people. 
if we're renewed by the gospel. We are the kind of people who say, I am my brother's keeper. I do love and care for my brother, my sister, I, or my neighbor. Um, so gospel-renewed people say that. Someone who doesn't believe the gospel, though, how, how might this person live? Total disregard for others. Uh, I'm going to summarize the end of Proverbs. Uh, so if we look at verses 12 to 22 in that description that it, that it says, I think this is a good summary that, that sums it up quite well. Um, a person who has not been renewed by the gospel will do what I want, when I want, with whoever I want, wherever I want. That's it. I think that's a good summary. Um, there's no regard for how action, actions intersect and relate and impact other people. There's no concern for others besides the narcissistic self. And, and following that way of thinking and living and believing wreaks havoc on other people around us. It's what ends marriages. It's what hurts people. It's what breaks down businesses and churches. It's what offends people. It's what causes wars among men. And it's what hates and destroys both God's image bearers and the creation that God has made. And so take note that a person living like this is not just hurting themselves, but they're hurting other people. And let me tell you, okay, listen, this kind of person is all of us. This kind of person is all of us. The difference between a gospel-renewed person and someone who isn't, uh, is not gospel-renewed, right, isn't that we never think, speak, or live like this. The difference is that we know we do. And that's why we need Jesus. Jesus is the one who answered his father saying, My son... Um, he's, he's the one who was the true son. He answered his father as the true son, and he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is the one who was born under the law, Galatians 4.4 4 puts it, to redeem those who were under the law. And so if you want to change from the inside out, not just, you know, surface level change, but you're hungry, you're, you're longing for actual change in your life. Trust in Jesus and begin to walk with Jesus. People can change, and Jesus is how. Okay? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that God will only love you if is not how you choose to relate to us. Instead of conditional love, that's if then, if then, if then. You love us unconditionally, and you say to us, I will always love you because Jesus, thy true son, has earned that place for us and secured it for us. So we thank you, Lord, and we ask that we would live honorable lives, reasonable lives, lives that are pleasing to you and acceptable in your sight, that are a living and pleasing aroma, living sacrifice and pleasing aroma to you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.